of the most sought-after soft skills in our world today are problem-solving, collaboration, and negotiation. And all of these include skills that are needed for positive compromise. As I talk about positive compromise today, I'm asking that rather than thinking about the global conflicts that exist today, turn your mind to the conflicts that exist within your work world, within the team that you work with. Let me ask you, do you, do you remember a time when compromise played a significant role in your leadership? How did things go? Are your memories positive or negative? Now, don't be surprised if your memory pulls up a very negative experience. Best-selling author Dr. Michael Beckty puts it this way. It takes three to four seconds for a bad event or a bad experience to get into our long-term memory. It takes about 12 seconds before a good event or a good experience drops into our long-term memory. And if we get distracted before the 12 seconds is up, it doesn't go into our long-term memory at all. I'm Dr. Nina Ellison, and the, the purpose of today's podcast is to add to your understanding of the importance of positive compromise in building and maintaining relationships. Compromise is not about giving up what we want, but about finding a solution that works for everyone at the table. I can imagine some of you rolling your eyes right now as I make that statement, but I'm not talking about a leader with unrealistic, foolish approaches of ignoring the the often harsh reality that we see in our leadership journey today and in our workplaces. Rather, by exposing a thoughtful, soft skill strategy, we can, as we choose to take time, at least 12 seconds of time, (laughs) shift our memory and our future perspectives to an increased focus on the positive value of compromise. Positive compromise is seen when those around the table benefit from the compromise. All involved are satisfied with the outcome. The initial tension has been addressed as a part of the resolution process. I want to say that again because it's so so critical to what we're talking about today. The tension that brought the the need for compromise into the room is addressed as a part of the resolution process. One significant outcome is that the people at the table are still speaking to each other. On the other hand, negative compromise results in strained relationships with a decrease in cooperation and communication. Tensions persist with an increase in conflict and adversity, and many around the table choose silence as their outcome. There are three primary approaches with leaders that emerge around this idea of positive or negative compromise. The first group acknowledges compromise as a necessary tool for resolving conflicts and for promoting cooperation and collaboration. This group of leaders believes that compromise can lead to an increase in meaningful relationships. They anticipate the discovery of mutually beneficial outcomes. The second group of leaders talk about the act of compromise as an event where the locus of power over weakness is evident in the outcome. This group of leaders anticipates that principles and values will have to at least be partially abandoned by some for the sake of compromise. Overall, the act of compromise is not perceived as adding value to their vision or goals. Compromise is seen as an undesired strategy that undermines a leader's authority and influence. The third group of leaders seek to find an equilibrium within compromise 
that can be both positive and negative. These leaders seek to find a middle ground where all involved find at, at least some of their initial needs being met. A concern with the balance act of this third group is that over time, changes subtly move the group away from the initially accepted middle ground and, and movement shifts either towards one end or the other of the compromise. The result is a shift away from the initial compromise. One well-known example of this positive-negative compromise balance is when one person states that the sky is blue, but another argues it's yellow. The compromise of meeting in the middle comes when everyone agrees that they can see the sky could be green. Unintentionally, over time, change occurs, and there's a shifting of what the original compromise was, which results in ineffective decision-making. So when you consider this idea of positive compromise, the word barriers immediately comes to mind. Even in a conversation with a leader this past week, the comment was made that positive compromise is really not possible as somebody always has to walk away from their fundamental beliefs. If not beliefs, then at least what they value the most is at risk for being minimized, leading them to a further loss of identity. If this is true, then let's just throw in the towel across our teams and our organizations and admit that we do not and we cannot see a path to positive compromise. I hope as I speak, you are thinking, no, I'm not ready to give up on an idea that there is more we can learn. There are ways we can grow in our compromising skills where a human element is honored and respected. So this brings me to what I call the big misconception. The big misconception is that in positive compromise, there is always and only a right and a wrong. Is there another option? Author Miles McPherson would say absolutely as he writes that the third option invites us to honor that which we have in common. The big misconception is at work as a fundamental barrier in positive compromise. Foundational concerns include this premise, I am right and you are wrong. Let's go back in history to a story shared about a leader named Joshua. Joshua had an amazing heritage as he was a descendant of Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of many nations and is revered by Jews, by Muslims, and by Christians. And so back to Joshua. He's preparing to go into battle when he looks up and he sees a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua asks him, are you for us or are you for our enemies? In other words, am I right? Are they wrong? And the man who later identifies himself as a commander in the army of the Lord answers Joshua's question with one word, neither. In positive compromise, if we insist on asking questions such as, am I right? Are they wrong? We haven't gotten to the right question. There is a valuable question that is still possible. Rather than focus on getting to a win, a positive compromise results in discovering the ability to value each other. Do I value you? Do you value me? And in the midst of seeing each person of someone of value, 
this amazing thing happens. Generative dialogue breaks out. This idea of generative dialogue represents uh, the empowerment and the freedom of a diverse group of people to produce different combinations of new ideas. Now, the problem or the challenge that brought everyone to the table is still there. And the priorities of positive compromise are still the same. Each person's fundamental beliefs and value are non-negotiable. Each person's identity is not being challenged. Each person is respected in their desire for autonomy and freedom. Generative dialogue happens when we value and honor each other. Generative dialogue leads towards positive compromise. Building these kinds of bridges requires effort and patience as you, as you work with those you see every day. And here are five steps that you can follow if you're seeking a positive compromise. The first step in seeking a path to positive compromise is to define the situation. A part of defining the situation includes the recognition that no matter your role or your position, positive compromise is not possible if you come to the table thinking that you already know all that needs to be known about the situation at hand. In other words, you already think that you're right. And if you think you're right, you're not looking to define the situation. The second step after defining the problem or defining the situation where everyone around the table is agreeing, yes, this is what we've got. This is what we're working on. The second step that you're already moving into because of the way you've done step one is this idea that community matters. Determine what you believe about the role of community in positive compromise. Articulate what each member of your team has in common. What are the goals you share? It is through shared values that we are drawn into deeper and more meaningful relationships so that the journey of compromise can be made from one side of the raging concern to the other. There is no judge and jury at the compromise table. In fact, mercy triumphs over judgment every time. Community matters. And then the third step, after identifying the problem and recognizing how critical community is, the third, the third step is to generate options. Each one around the table, when speaking, requests that each person refer only to what they know from their own experience and their own knowledge base, rather than sharing hearsay of what others have said to them. Fundamental beliefs and values will thrive as you share what your experience has been. And then it allows you to acknowledge to yourself what you don't know. This will open the door to some new options. Being willing to acknowledge what you don't know will lower your defenses and you will be more prepared to listen to others. And then the fifth step is to discover alternatives. Listen and learn what others know. As the conversation opens up, discover as much as you can about what you have never heard, what you would have never have known otherwise, because it is in that not knowing that other alternatives exist. Global thought partner Seth Godin puts it this way. Could we change our minds? 
When was the last time new information caused you to walk away from an idea that you were confident in? It gets harder and harder to do and more and more important. So I've shared four steps so far. I've talked about defining the situation. The second step is community matters. Thirdly, generate options. Fourth, discover alternatives. And then finally, agree on the next steps. Prepare your heart and your mind to acknowledge the shift in your perspective is underway as you see a path opening where all are respected. As I close, let me share four things I have learned from my own journey in seeking positive compromise around the table. First, I will never learn enough to fully understand someone else's journey. Second, there are times when I'm not aware enough of a different perspective and I say the wrong thing even if my motivation is to help the group move forward. And when this happens to me, I need to be prepared to say I'm sorry. I need to refuse to be offended. The third thing I've learned from my own journey is the need to continue to read and study. For me, this has been one of the biggest ways to address the big misconception that I come to the table with. And then finally, I've learned that I need to be ready in a very concise way to share my story, my thoughts, my ideas, while at the same time recognizing that my story may not even need to be shared. It may not be of interest or value to the priority concern that is at the table. In other words, what I continue to learn is the compromise is not always about me. Are you feeling more empowered to approach compromise in a more positive and productive way? Compromise is a skill. It's a soft skill. It's a skill that you have to live to grow in it. And as you get more and more involved in compromise, positive compromise, you see the reduction of conflict and you see the promotion of collaboration. Never doubt that a leader who embraces growth in this skill will add value to themselves to their team, and to their organization. Do you want to grow in this area? A link to set up a call with me is in this podcast, and I can help. Set up a call and let's talk about how I can help you to grow as a leader. It'll be worth it.